Luke chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It'll be a familiar passage to most of you. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now when they had left speaking, he said to Simon, Lodge out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered, answering said to him, Master, we have toiled all the night. Now listen, sometimes I just want to stop and just have you put yourself there. You need to do that. Sometimes you just need to stop when you're reading. Picture what's happening and just put yourself there. Sometimes we're hard on Peter. <laughs> Jesus is in this, they're in this very presence. The people are hungry for the word. But they've been out all night. They're cleaning things up. He says, go out again. Peter says, Master, come on. It's in there. Have to look a little deep, but it's in there. Master, come on. We have toiled, worked, slaved all night long and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Man, you could stop there and preach a minute at thy word. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. And they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they, and they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When, Peter, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which, had, which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, fear not, from hereafter you shall catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, as always. Lord, we believe you have something to speak to us tonight. Lord, I ask that you touch us. Lord, that you, that you work through us. Lord, that the Spirit of God comes, the preacher. 
to help tonight. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. thought all afternoon I was driving down the Womack Road when I started thinking about to let down your net for a draw. I started thinking about, I reflect often on the services I was reflecting over this morning at the message of what I believe God's saying and, I, and he began to speak with me again on this subject of let down your nets. And we're not going to stray far from where we were this morning. I believe that it's still the word of the day. I don't anticipate keeping you very long tonight. I don't, I'm not anticipating any stage flops or any ascent from the stage quickly. When I stepped off the stage this morning, I remembered that I had a prayer knee. Because a few days ago, yesterday morning, I got up and I was in the dark in the bedroom and I ran into the edge of the bed that was just about that high and I was blinded by the corner of that bed. If, you'd ever, if you've never been blinded by something in your knee, then you've never hit your knee hard enough. I thought, and they say, why do you call it a prayer knee? Because I hopped around singing, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And when I come off the stage this morning, just all I did was step off like I do all the time. And I thought again, Jesus, 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 Jesus. So I took the stairs back up. None of that. I was just reflecting on the word of God. And I don't want to beat an analogy to death and none of those things, but... I believe there's some things plainly written in this passage of Scripture. Of course, there's a call to, the, to Peter, James, and John that was the final call the, where they forsook all. They've been doing what they know to do. This morning when I was talking on some of the subjects that I began to bring forward and, and, and begin to be emphatic about, that we're at a time when we better be seeking the will of God in everything that we do. There was nothing wrong with the fact that they were doing what they knew to do. It was their living. It was how, it was their life. And that day, if you read, if you, if you stop and read slowly at the beginning of the chapter, you see this morning time where Jesus is, is speaking and the people want to hear him. It says the people are thronging him. They're, they're pushing up against him to the fact that, to the place that he steps into a boat and shoves offshore just a little bit. But while all of that is happening, these fishermen are still going through their routine of cleaning their nets. They were doing what they knew to do. And I think sometimes we fail to find out what's happening and, and the reality of their trade. Sometimes we think about the fishermen and their nets, and maybe we have this imagery of like, um, how many's ever went out of Bridge City and across the Rainbow Bridge, and just before you get there, there's, there are a lot of times be people that's out there crabbing and fishing or whatever, and, and you'll see them taking their, their hand nets and, and throwing them out 
And I think that's sometimes what we think when, when they were throwing their nets, that they had their, they had their hand nets throwing them out across the water. And what's the big deal? That Jesus, they're cleaning, getting things ready, and Jesus says to go back. And there's nothing like that. We're talking about nets that would span the, the width of the stages, that they would drag hundreds of feet and dredge the, the water, dredge the lake. So, and it was, it, was a, it was a huge ordeal, a big process to bring those nets in every day. It was almost ritualistic, almost religious in its discipline of what they had to do every day to be prepared to do it again. And they're in the process of it, not even finished. And they probably think, they just, you know, they, it's what, they just had a bad night. We would say the fish weren't biting. Of course, they were dragging in nets, but they just wasn't there. And I think, is it okay if I just kind of walk through and talk to you a minute and, and we just cause ourselves to think about some things, ask you some questions? Is there anybody besides me in the house that believes God moves and operates in seasons? There's definitely been, I know, seasons in my life. You know, sometimes I'm on the mountaintop, sometimes I'm in the valley. Sometimes it's like, I, like everything you do is perfect and, and, and it's blessed. And, and sometimes it's no matter how many times you've done, you do what you've always done, the nets are empty. I, I believe God moves in seasons and times in His church. I, I know over the centuries, and you, we can read the histories of revival, there seems to be decades even that had a special touch from God. Then other times it seems like every catch was a toil. Listen, I don't want to dismiss anything. I, I know, I, I, I stand here before you knowing that every, in the, in the context of Scripture, and when we're talking about fishers of men, when we're talking about si, uh, uh, lives and souls, that every single one counts. Hey, if you were the one, like in the book of Acts, when, when, he, had, when he found an Ethiopian out by himself, but the Spirit of God saw fit to go after him and said, do you understand what you're reading? Remember? How could I understand unless someone explained it to me? One man that God, that God saw fit to include in the Word of God and, and to go after. Not only for, to, but to bring him into the fullness of God. One, one counts. One counts. I thank God every time for the one. When Jesus left the 99 for the one, it doesn't seem like a big deal unless you're the one. I'm just pondering some things. God, Lord, we fished all night. And I feel in my heart, I know in my heart tonight, sometimes that's the way I feel as a pastor. 
Sometimes that's the way we feel as a church. The Lord, for, for the last years, for the last five years, for the last ten years, Lord, we've, we've toiled all the night. We've caught nothing or very little. And these are the things I, I'm, I'm talking about that I'm, trying to, that I'm trying to get across that I feel such a heaviness in my spirit about is that it's not that we don't want to do and it's not that they were doing what they knew to do. They were doing their occupation. They were, they were, do, they were walking through their everyday life. There was nothing wrong with that. But sometimes that gets to be heavy and a, and a drudgery and, and it begins to weigh on you. And the cry of my heart for the last few months have been privately, God, there's got to be more. Anybody? I, I, listen, I'm saved. We used to sing, I'm saved and I know that I am. I'm heaven bound and I know that I am. I'm spirit filled and I know that I am. That God... All my life, he's been faithful. I'll sing it all my life. But then I look and, and I, I see what the book says about the power of the Spirit and obedience to the Word. And I know that the day that we live in, that we're definitely in that perilous hour. I know that the shape that the church is in, you can, it's not hard to see. I was talking to my brother earlier. I read last week that 74% of the church in America is liberal. Now, I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans. I'm not, when people hear liberal, they, they automatically think politics. That's not it. What do you mean liberal? 74% by multiple focus groups and... and, and, and Polling groups and data research says that 74% or better of the church in America, of the churches in America, no longer, they believe that this is, has some of the words of God, but they don't believe it's the word of God. Say, so, well, well, it's the word of God. That's, that's enough, isn't it? No, it's not enough. If I can't depend on this. If I can't stand on this, if every word's not true, if, it, if, it, if I can't turn to any place and put my hand on it and know that I'm hearing the word of God, it's no wonder people's walk is casual. It's no wonder that, that, that the surveys talk about if a person attends church once a month, they think they're faithful to the house of God. It's no wonder to me that the catch is so light. Well, listen, again, I, like I said this morning, this is not a message of rebuke. This is not anything like that. This is the pleadings of my heart. What I'm feeling is that church, we've got to be, and I believe we are. I believe we have a heart that we, we're faithful. Through, through, I have witnessed in, a, in 15 months the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of God's people in this church. Through storm, high water, literally, over and over. Through, through disease and pestilence. I believe, by the way, I believe that's what we're seeing. Matthew 24, Jesus taught backbone of prophecy in the word of God. One of the things with there would be pestilences. What's that? Incurable diseases. I believe we're experiencing some of that right now. 
And I know that the Bible foretells that that time that there would be a great falling away, that the apostate church would begin to rise. I get it. But I also read about a glorious church, a powerful church, a propelled church, a, a compelled church, where there's a compulsion, a drive for the things of God. And I look around it. I, I, I read, I, I know it with this, that I read Pastor Jim Cimbala wrote in one of his latest books where Barna and others had, had, had polled the church. You say, I, I'm not real big on stats, I know that. But they can be useful. There's, there's things that we should look at. And he was talking, and his, his book was talking about the coming storm. And the coming storm was written about three years ago. <laughs> and he was laying out some foundations of what we need to know and what we need to be prepared for. And one of the things he said was you need to realize, and realize quickly, there's not, even many of, there's not as many of us as we think there are. He went through it all. 70-something percent, 5 or 6 percent of Americans polled even now say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. When you look at where we're at in this nation today, is there anybody in this room that believes that 75 percent of America is Christians? It shows up everywhere. If 75 percent of this country was Christian, there wouldn't be godless politicians in office. They wouldn't stand a chance. They couldn't get elected. There, there wouldn't be radical Marxists marching in the streets. There, would, there wouldn't be fist pumps in the air and, and destruction. All, it wouldn't happen. 76% of Americans may be religious, but 76% of Americans are not Christians. And when they break down, break down after break down, well, do you believe... Jesus is the only way. Well, he's a way. Yeah, Oprah believes that. He's a way. Well, that doesn't count. Well, do you believe that the, the Bible is, is, is perfect? Well, it's a, it's a good book. You, you can probably get some things out of it. This is Christians. Most of you probably heard or read or saw the sound bite or the clip when watching the flip on CNN... Communist News Network, uh, what's it, <laughs> Lemon something, Don Lemon. Well, every, what do he say? Everybody knows Jesus wasn't perfect, huh? Reprobate's right. That's the right word. This is the world we live in. The conclusion that secular and the Christian polling and data collector say that really we're at is somewhere around seven to nine percent of America is the kind, is the Christian that this describes. God help us. And that's what brought what I God I'm telling, you, I'm telling you what's in it. I'm telling you what I feel, what, I, what I'm saying, what I sense, what, I, what I'm crying, what, what 
what wakes me up in the night and I lay in the quietness of the dark with God and say, God, there's absolutely got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more than great facilities, faithful people, good musicians. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Thank God. Praise God for all of those things. But there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Church, is anybody out there? I, I, does anybody sense in there? there? God, there's got to be more. There's got to be. God, I, I'm happy that you're faithful. I'm thankful that I'm saved. Uh, if, if you do, do ever do another thing for me, I could, I could praise you for the rest of my days. No doubt. But God, there's got to be. Why? Because your word says it. That's what I was talking about this morning. Luke chapter 5 is what I was talking about this morning. Not... I'm talking about, Lord, I've toiled all the night. We've done everything we know to do. We, 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 have, we do all the things that, it, that I was raised to do. Are you hearing me? Nothing wrong with it. Lord, I've cast that net, and I've cast that net, and I've cast that net. I don't know how many times I stood in this pulpit or a pulpit in Arkansas and cast that net. Just to bring in a few here. But most of the time, the vast majority of the time, Lord, I've toiled all the night. it all the night I'm not doubting him I don't, I, don't, I don't read any doubt in Simon Peter's statement Lord I've toiled we've toiled all the night I don't see any rebellion in it I don't see any, any I don't see any regret in it I don't see any of those things I see fatigue and Maybe even, dare I say, disappointment. Lord. Lord. He said, Master. Master. We've been working at it. Sometimes I, I identify. I, I identify with Peter. So I know what it is to be the one that spoke up when they should have shut up. Yeah. I can tell you stories. You know I could. When I spoke up when I should have shut up. When I made, out, when I made grand promises with a good heart. I meant it. Remember Peter, Peter, I'll, I'll die with you. I'll die, I'll, I'll, I'll die with you. I'll die for you. 
Then a few minutes later, a damsel around a campfire says, you're one of them. He says, I don't even know him. I understand. Sometimes when I read Peter's things about Peter, I get it. Master, I've toiled all night. Maybe some doubt. I hadn't even got my nets cleaned from overnight. Lord, look at it's getting hot. Somebody. I'm tired. I think I need to reach down. I'm talking to me now. I, I, I'm going to reach down and find a nevertheless. Come on, somebody. Have you ever had to just reach for it? Have you ever had to dig for it? Have you, you're exhausted. You're tired. You've done it over and over and over. You're disappointed. You don't know how you're going to make it. Launch out. <sighs> I've done it all night already. I've done it. Lord, I've done it over and over and over. Nevertheless, at thy word. Church, listen, don't listen to the preacher that says it every week. Don't listen to the pastor, the televangelist that, that's preaching the truth of the word of God. Don't take my word for it. Go back to the word. Let it speak to you and say, Lord, nevertheless, at thy word. Church, I promise you, that all we need is one more time for him to give the word. That's all we need. Launch out. Listen. Launch out into the deep. Get off the shore. Get away from, from where the people are thronged about me. Get away. He was telling them that. Get, launch out. Get away Good. doesn't say they were bad people or anything else they were interested in the word of God but he says launch out get off the shore, get out of the shallows maybe that would be the way to say it church, get out of we got to get out of the shallows that involves more than me and your worship team and your, and your ministry team and your Sunday school teacher I, I, would, I would admonish you to get out of the shallows Sometimes what you know to do and the right thing to do is, yeah, I, I, I have my prayer time every day. I have my study in the Word every day. I ha I'm doing all that, but it's just, you know, sometimes it's just that. Wait, just what? It's just going through the motion. You're, you're, they, were at the, they were at the lake. They were in the water. They needed a fresh word. Church, we need a fresh word. We need a fresh word. Listen, it, it's not going to make any difference what we do, what we toil at. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the message I'm trying to convey. That's what I'm trying to get across. It's not going to make any difference what we toil all night on if we don't have a fresh word. 
If we don't have something, if we don't have something to launch from, if we don't get away from the shore and get into the depths of the Word of God, if we don't get into the depths of the thing of God, it, things of God, if we don't get into His deep well, where deep can cry into deep. I say things, and I, I know sometimes it's taken wrong. I, I hadn't got too much pushback, but I, I know, I know, I understand. I've said often, I thank God for every church, every minister, everywhere, that if they're preaching the truth of the Word of God and they win anybody, I am thankful for it. But I can no longer, this is me, I can no longer stand to be just like the church down the street. Say, so which church are you pointing at? I'm talking, I'm talking about any church down the street. Down the street can be in Louisiana. Down the street can be in Atlanta. Down the street can be in Fort Worth. Down the street could be in Little Rock. Down the street, I'm talking about the church world we live in in America where everybody's singing the same song on the same day, going through the same motion, reading this... Getting their latest sermon off of sermon.com or seeing what Stephen What's-His-Flip out in North Carolina is preaching. They got their toes in the shallows. I'm literally, Paul would say, I beseech you. I'll, I'll just say in, in regular old language, I'm begging. You know, that's what he meant. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I, I admonish you. I'm begging you. Get a hold of it. I tell you what I'm praying for. Is it, would it be okay if I took just a few minutes to, a, a few, maybe even just no more than a few seconds to tell you what I'm praying against? Would that be all right? Complacency and apathy. Comfort. That's pretty general. Here's what I'm praying about in Mauriceville, Texas. Orange, Texas, Beaumont area. Space between Beaumont and Lake Charles. Lord, don't let the oil market and the economies have to crash and burn and our people and half of our people be out of work before we're shaken out of our complacency. Your pastor's praying that. I'm giving you, I'm just giving you a window into my soul just for just a second. I'm not talking about negativity. I'm not talking about anything. I'm talking about reality. Because I believe, I told you this morning, the Word says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that the things that can't be shaken can stand. And if we can't get serious about God as long as we're in rich and increased of goods and in need of nothing, that can change like that. And I pray God... The prayer of my heart is, God, don't let us have to suffer financial collapse in our church, in our area, in our jobs, among our men, to be for somebody to cry out and say, isn't there some more? (laughs) 
Because the creature comforts the temporary things. The, they, Paul said the temporal things. God is not as, listen, God is not as concerned about the temporal things that we're focusing on. God, don't let us wake up before that. God. God, let our, here's another one. Lord, shake our young people. Let your spirit fall in that room upstairs among your young people. Get a hold of them now before the world gets a hold of them later. God, stir mom and dad to the point that in the households, listen, I'm not hard on anybody. I understand vacations. I understand. I understand. I don't even have to go through the list. I get it. But we're raising a generation where church is worked in, where the things of God are worked in, where the house of God is worked in, if it fits our schedule. And then we wonder... Why, when they leave the house, that 90% of them plus never come back. I'm talking, Lord, we've toiled all the night. We've toiled all the night. Anybody? Anybody? I don't, that's what I'm talking about. I don't, I, I don't ever want to do another thing that just makes us feel good about being a church. Nothing. Lord, I've toiled all the night. I, I, I read something. I think it's 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 3, I think. I think. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever read it. I don't think I've ever caught it. You know I've been in this thing all my life. I've sat under some of the finest preachers in the world, literally, all my life. It's not ever been from a lack of teaching. But I've always heard about this thing about building on a foundation. Paul said, I've laid the foundation. He said, if you're going to build on the foundation, if you're going to, you can, he actually said, you can build it any way you want to, but the foundation has to be Jesus Christ. And I heard about, you know, gold, silver, and precious stones. Then I heard about wood, hay, and stubble. And, I, and I've, I've got that wrong all of my life. Wood, hay, and stubble is actually an allowed thing. As long as you build it on the foundation of God. But here's the thing about wood, hay, and stubble. He said, he even, he said it very clearly. You can build that way. But when the fires of, when, when, it's, when it's set on the judgment fire, all that's going to be left. He said, you're, he said, you're saved. But that's it. Do I got that right? You're saved. He said, your works of your life. If you build on the foundation of Christ, you're going to make it. You're saved. But the works of your life are going to be set in the fire. And the only thing you're going to have above your salvation is if it's built with silver and gold and precious stones. 
He wasn't talking about material things. He was talking about the things that wouldn't perish in the fire. He was talking about the things that were precious to God. He was thinking about the better things, the deeper things, the bigger things, the priority things, not the superficial things that could be done easy, that anybody can do. Let me tell you, if it doesn't net, if it doesn't net for the kingdom of God eternally, it's going to burn. Well, that sounded like David Wilkerson. He can, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. I remember his son saying, I could never even enjoy getting a new car. I'd show it to my dad and he'd say, it's nice, son. It's going to burn. <laughs> it's going to burn. Church, if our efforts don't net souls wood, hay, and stubble. Y'all have learned never to believe me when I say I won't be long, right? That's just kind of built in, understood, right? It's, it, it's well, we'll leave it at that. Lord, at thy word, I will let down my net. I notice, I, I, he said, I. He didn't say we. He said, I will let down my net. Peter said, I'll let down my net. It was a personal decision to obey God. It was, when, it was when Peter's net started to burst that he called for help. And they decided to get on it. It was a personal thing with Peter. He said, Lord, at thy word, I will let down my net. Tonight, it's a personal decision if you're going to launch out into the deep at the Word of God. Tonight, it's a personal decision if you're going to let down your net. If you're going to, if you're going to never mind that it doesn't seem like the right time of day. Never mind, it's not the right time of day. Never mind, it's not the right day of the week. Never mind, it's not the right season. At thy Word. And when they had done this, the changes today, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes so that their nets began to break. What was the difference? It's, a, it's not a trick question. It's right there. What was the difference? They'd done the same thing that they'd done before. They'd done the same thing that they'd done all night and got no results. What was the difference? They heard his word and they obeyed him. No, they may not at thy word. The nets began to break. It occurs to me, church. I told you, we've thrown the net and thrown the net, thrown the net, thrown the net. One here, one there, a few here, maybe. Thank God. But it would be easy to get into the mentality and the thought. In fact, the enemy comes and says to me often, people aren't interested in the gospel anymore. Hello? 
Oh, it used to be that way. But that is, that's, that, J.R., that's gone. That's a, he's a liar. You, 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 you're missing it. They could have took the position that, Master, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman. Church folks, let's, I'm a carpenter, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman. I fish this lake every day. And I'm telling you, the fish are gone, there's none left, and they're not interested. I think we feel that way. We got our church, it's grown to a certain level. People want all their stuff, all their things, all their vacations, all their... I could just name. When I say too many things, people think that I don't think they should have a vacation or a bass boat. I just don't think they ought to worship it above the things of God. That's all. And we've came, the mentality has settled in that this is just the world we live in, and let's just hold on to what we got until we get home. There's no more fish in the lake. And I am telling you, if we'll get on our face, I'll tell you what I told you this morning, if we'll get on our face before a holy God and we'll begin to break the change of carnality and we'll begin to dig into the deep things of the, of the word of God, if we'll begin to seek his face, if we will begin, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of this other stuff will be added unto you. Seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I'm telling you when he becomes the forethought instead of the afterthought. I'm telling you when he becomes the cry of our heart instead of the obligation of our weekend. When he, become, when he, be, when he becomes the focus of importance. Because I'm, 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 I'm going to stand and declare to you that this world is going to keep shaking until all the idols are gone. Did you ever think three months ago, four months ago, five months ago that there would even be a chance that the NCAA football teams weren't going to play this fall? Hello? It's, it's on. Did you think there'd be a chance that the stadiums that are filled by the hundreds of thousands and city after city would be empty? Did you ever dream there was a chance that RV shows, boat shows, kicks for kids would not exist this summer and this fall? Did it ever cross your mind? Did it even occur to me or you six months ago that there could be a literal, y'all get at least to hearing the words, that there could be a literal Marxist 
take over in the United States of America within six months, that, it would, that people would just crumble to it. I'm trying to cause you to think about it. That saying, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, would be almost a hate crime in America. That we would, that, that Francis Scott Key would become a target. For pinning the words like, oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave? Or the land of the free and the home of the brave? And we don't think that, we can, that, our, that our world can be shaken until there's nothing left to shake. God's not judging America right now. I don't believe that. There's some things being judged. But he's God's not, God's not judging America right now. He's crying out to America right now. He, he, he is, he is, he is, his mercy is screaming to America right now. His grace is beckoning to America right now. It's me, it's me, it's me. Come to me. I believe that. I believe everything we're seeing is being allowed. So it, the, the shaking is happening so that the people will be woken out of their sleep. And they will begin to cry out again. Lord, what is the, what is the cry of our heart? What do we need? We need a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. We need a fresh revelation of heaven and we need a fresh revelation of hell. And we need to understand that there's two kinds of people in this world and they're not, and they're not black or white. They're not Jew and Gentile. They're not, they're not male and female, but they're saved and lost. And that they're going, and, and law. They're saved and lost. And even in the evangelical, I hate that term, evangelical world, Pentecostal world even, is a question now. And I got, I'll answer it for you right now. It's saved and lost. It's not no, it's not saved and we'll get you, we'll pray you out of purgatory. Y'all, that's invading everywhere. That may be news to you, but I, I could relate it to you week after week. The lies of religion are invading our churches. And people are believing that there's a third option. I'm wrapping up. I'm, I'm closing out. I'm, I'm, I promise I'm getting done in the next four minutes. I, I want to tell you something. If you don't believe it, you need to start talking to your friends, talking to your family, talking to your kids. And why does it matter that people believe this? Because as long as there's a third option, I'll live like I, like I want to live on this earth. Jesus be damned, I will live like I want to live. And, and whenever I die, 
I may have to endure the cleansing fires of purgatory for a while, but I won't have to spend an eternity. So I'll get to live my best life now. And that is straight from the pit of hell, by the way. I'll get to live my best life now. And I, and I may have to endure some purging, but then I'll get to live an eternity in heaven. That is a lie. And it has rocked the church to sleep. The idea of a third option and the idea of I'll live any way I want to because I said a prayer 35 years ago and grace has got me covered. So that's a lot to wrap up in two more minutes. I just wanted to drop those bombs on you. There's not a third option and God expects to change life. God, is, you, it is a lie. I don't even mind telling you. I, the, the garbage that, Joseph, that, that Prince, Joseph Prince and all of his cohorts are spreading through the whole church world today that says repentance is a slap in the face of God, that grace has got you covered, that, that, that you're, that, that you're de denigrating the work of the Holy Spirit if you repent. That is a lie. Repentance is God's command and holiness is a lifestyle. The church had better wake up. Brandon, you can come back. When Peter saw it, he fell down at the knees of Jesus saying, Depart from me for I am a sinful man. I saw something real quick right there. Peter obeyed it before he saw it. Lord, we've toiled all night. Nevertheless, at your word, the draught come in, the nets were about to break. said, when Peter saw it, Peter obeyed it before he saw it. If you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. Did you catch it? If you can't see it, before you see it, you'll never see it. He realized his condition when the power of God. See, he realized in that moment who he was working with, who he was living for, who he was following after. The one that changed everything at his word. I just want to be close enough to hear. <laughs> and he was astonished. And also was James and John. It must have been a frightening sight. The miraculous catch that came in. It must have been, it must have been, have you ever thought about the fact that it must have been frightening? It must have been such an astonishing miracle, but that it shook them? What well, makes me think that? Because Jesus said to them, fear not. Why in the world would he have told them not to fear if they weren't afraid? That's just how simple my mind is. Fear not. I'm going to make you fishers of men.
You know, he was literally saying, if you think that was something, just wait. If you'll, if you'll, do, if you'll do in the spiritual realm what you just done in the natural realm, which was just obey the word of God, he said, you ain't seen nothing yet. I gave you boatloads of fish, but I'm fixing to give you kingdom loads of men. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and boldly declared that this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And that day, 3,000 people got saved. The next day, Peter opened his mouth again. 5,000 people got saved. It wasn't because Peter suddenly became a great evangelist. And it wasn't because Peter came up with the formula. It wasn't because Peter came up with the scheme. It was because Peter, at his word, tarried in Jerusalem until he became endued with power from on high. And the power of God hit the place. And it made the difference. Listen, if we'll get hungry again, the power of God will hit the place. The gospel still, stand with me, the gospel still works. And listen to me, I'll make a statement won't ever back down for it. The gospel is still powered by Pentecost. The gospel still works. And it's still propelled, it's still driven by Pentecost. What am I talking about? It's still the power of the Holy Spirit in us that will drive the gospel into this world and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh God, there's got to be more. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you for, your, for the helper. For your spirit, Lord, that empowers, that, it, that comes and that, and that communicates. Lord, tonight I pray that in our heart there's been something that rises up. The spirit of God begins to rise up in your people. That there's a cry from the heart of my church that says, oh God, I've got to have more. Oh God, I don't want to wait until my world is falling apart. Oh God, I don't want to wait until my children are in jail or worse. Oh God, there's got to be more. Lord, we've toiled and we've toiled and we've toiled. But nevertheless, at thy word, we will launch out. Brandon began to sing. Tonight, church, that, that's what the altar call is all about. That's what the answer is all about tonight. If, if there's something in you that says, oh God, there's got to be more. God, I need more. God, I need more. Lord, at thy word, at thy word, at thy word. Who, who would dare speak at thy word? That's you tonight. Come and lay it to him. Lord, let, let, your, let your walk down the aisle not be a response to a preacher, but a step of faith. Not a, not a response to me. Not a response to a message. But a step of faith that says, at thy word. I'll launch out again at thy word, at thy word, and come expecting a catch. <laughs>